So a seat at the piano is essentially a platform to raise the voices of a lot of composers who have been less heard or historically excluded or underrepresented. So it is a database. It is a resource. It's a blog. It's kind of a lot of different things that we've combined into one kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of pianists, teachers, students to go to if they're seeking different kinds of repertoire that are outside of the normal kind of canon. Um, the mission of ASAP is to promote and include um, the music of composers that hasn't necessarily been in the forefront, you know. So basically, we're trying to catch up um, with the inclusion of works of, of piano music from composers from historically excluded groups. Hello, piano enthusiasts. You're tuned into The Piano Pod with me, Yukimi Song. We're diving into part two of the season's second episode with the brilliant minds behind A Seat at the Piano, aka ASAP, Annie Zhang, Brandon Jacklin, Evan Hines, and Susan Yang. If you missed our intriguing conversation in part one, where we explored ASAP's mission and how they support fellow classical pianists and educators, make sure to catch up on your go-to podcast platform. A warm welcome to our new listeners and viewers. This podcast is your all-access pass to the captivating world of piano. In each episode of The Piano Pod, I interview a guest speaker, or for this case, guest speakers, who have been breaking exciting new ground in the music industry. Please rate the show and review it on your favorite podcasting platform because every rating review will help people find my show. So, dear friends... Here is part two of the Piano Pods, season four, episode two, with the team of A Seat at the Piano. Please enjoy the show. You know, uh, since the summer of 2020, you've been working on this. So it's been over three years, right? For me, it's the same thing. Uh, This is the fourth season. So I am very grateful for this opportunity. So... What's been like, what's the impact of ASAP in our industry, in our community that you started to feel, you know, after three, four years? Brendan? This will be a little egotistical. It's okay. One of my favorite things to do every (laughs) once in a while is I just Google the seat of the piano just to sort of see what else is out there. And it's really neat how many different universities and organizations and competitions have just started listing us as a resource and we had no idea. (laughs) And like every couple of months, I'll just do a check just out of curiosity. And there's always a few more that have added us. And so I think, you know, just even that sort of growth with these institutions of various types offering these very different resources for people, I think does show that it is having an impact through that way at the very least. Maybe Brendan can correct me if I'm wrong, but our website gets about on average a thousand unique visitors a month yeah we're between a thousand to fifteen hundred unique visitors a month right now which has grown i believe the first month our website i remember it took about four months to break a hundred and so that was this is a a pretty good growth (laughs) i feel like we're also seeing the change Um, amongst local and national state organizations, whether or not they have performance festivals. And there, you know, a lot of these organizations will have required repertoire that students have to pick from when they're doing these festivals. And 
seeing that they're also utilizing our database and adding more mm -hmm. diverse works. Um, what we've noticed a lot is that if you don't require it, sometimes people aren't really going to do it. And sure, we'd like to say that we don't need those kinds of requirements, but unless people are at least exposed to it in a certain kind of way and in this way by requiring certain repertoire for competitions or festivals, that really ensures and guarantees that people are at least listening to it or, or learning it. Um, and that's a really, really great start. So, you know, even my own studio, my students at my university at University of North Carolina at Greensboro, my students have to learn at least one of their pieces each semester is of a, of a non-traditional composer, either of a genre or of a different background. And um, I found that students actually are like very excited about this. Um, maybe a little bit hesitant at first, but then they're really, really excited. Now Susan is doing a bit of this as well. And all of us are just encouraging our students and those around us to really be exploring these works. And sometimes that just little slight nudge of gentle requirement is, <laughs> is what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, yes. Okay, oh, Susan, your baby. Ah, oh, so cute. <laughs> the baby is awake. <laughs> I guess a fun fact, I don't know if you know, but Brenda and I are married. And oh. this is our baby. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's our first ASAP baby. ASAP <laughs> <laughs> baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you, you're in a different room right now. He's at so. work and I'm at home. <laughs> gotcha. I hope your uh, baby is okay. Um, Abby's sleeping well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Good. Mostly, mostly. Yeah, mostly. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> now, so then since you started, do you, did you receive any recognition or awards? Yes. <laughs> We've definitely, I feel like, received a lot of attention and everything from a couple different organizations. This past March, uh, we were given the MTNA and the Francis Clark Center have teamed up to give like a National Pedagogy Award, and we were honored enough to to be given that this past year, which was really exciting. And we've been in talks with both Francis Clark Center and the Music Teachers National Association as well, just to sort of like integrate our ideas into into these these big national organizations. And I think that is also sort of indicative of the the institutional um, understanding of the importance of a project like this, which was really exciting. Yeah, that, that is very exciting. And congratulations. I mean, double congratulations, Brandon, because you are now a father of the little baby girl too. But also with this, these uh, awards and recognition that your organization is receiving. Yeah. Annie, you want to add something? I, I think just that we were very honored, of course, to get this award, but we were just kind of shocked. Like um, a lot of this work that we've done and, and maybe you can be like you can empathize with this of like having started during the pandemic and getting things off the ground. It's like you don't really see the fruits of it until much later. <laughs> and so like we've just been kind of doing this, you know, casually for the past two and a half, three years now. And then all of a sudden to have all this talk about it, whether or not it's on the internet or now like nationally through the, these two organizations, it was really kind of just jaw dropping. Like, oh, wow, people see what we're doing. I had no idea. <laughs> or like, you know, at these conferences and people will 
reference us of saying like, oh yeah, like I got this information from a seat at the piano. We're like, oh my God, like this is amazing. So that's just been, that's just been really, really lovely. And um, also the most recent NCKP National Conference for Keyboard Pedagogy conference, uh, we were also featured as like a PEDX talk. And so Brendan was over there and he gave a really great talk about our organization and competitions and festivals and things like that. So yeah, it's just, it's it's really amazing to see all the work that we've done. And like, we really have put a lot of work into this. And it, so much of it has just been volunteer. So like, we're not getting paid. <laughs> and uh, which, yeah. So, <laughs> so so to get that recognition, it's like, oh, that's really, that's really lovely. And uh, Annie, really, really congratulations on that. Yeah, it's, it's the hard work, but also I admire uh, your passion too, right? Because we are all passion-driven people and being able to see that, you know, visually in, t- in tangible way is so encouraging for not only just you guys, but also for me as well to hear that wonderful news about your organization. So throughout this journey, what did you gain and what important life lesson did you experience from building this organization? For me, it's been a really amazing experience doing this podcast being able to meet you guys otherwise there's you know i would never have right in a virtual way like this and eventually i would love to meet you in person too but what's what sort of important life lesson did you receive by building this organization i think for me an important lesson i've learned uh is Focus on the quality and progress, not success. <laughs> so, you know, earlier when you were asking us, oh, how are you achieving your mission? But oh, I'm thinking, yeah. um, I'm thinking, well, I don't know if we're ever going to be completely achieving our mission. This is like, it's about the process. It's not about the end goal. And I don't even know what the end goal is going to look like. Yeah, for me, you know, and like Annie said, we did three years of this work and then we finally got recognized. Not that we were looking for this recognition, but it's 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 about our passion. It's about um, what we're trying to do instead of um, seeing like an, a, an achievement, an accomplishment. Um, so I think that's been the biggest lesson. I'm sorry. I'll end with that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> she is agreeing with you. She's like, amen. <laughs> Annie. Yeah. I, I, I love that Susan. Yeah. I think process mm-hmm. is everything. And like you're the, our process, even with this project, it goes in ebbs and flows. Like I think one of the big things that we've realized as a group and as a team is that you know, we don't have the luxury of time that we had during the pandemic. Of course, there were lots of other things that we had to be occupied with as well, but we really were able to devote a lot of time to researching and adding to this database. We all have full-time jobs or being a doctoral student and, you know, it's it's busy. And so having to fit this in, we do as much as we can. And, and so like the little bits of progress that we're able to make either with this, um, with the research that we're doing or the, how much we're able to share is I think the little successes that we can celebrate. Um, something I, I really have learned a lot is just like um, how much passion and curiosity can drive people. And so just in sharing some of these works with my students, like a lot of my students, they do, they have never even traveled outside of the state of North Carolina. And so by sharing these kinds of works, it's 
able to enhance their perspective of the diversity of the world through music. And that's a really kind of incredible thing um, that we're able to do as musicians and artists. And, you know, like anyone, anyone is capable of making this kind of change. We say this all the time. It's just a matter about doing the work. Like you've got to show up and you've got to do the work and, you know, just being excited to share that with others. You know, like a lot of times we've talked a lot about vulnerability and like when we started this, like, oh my goodness, are we even like the right people to be doing this kind of work? And it's uncomfortable at times, but I think as long as we continue doing it and to be passionate about it and to see like how fulfilling it is um, in going through this process, it's worth doing it. Amen. With that, <laughs> you have no idea how many times it's like, what am I doing? But then, <laughs> you know, it's the passion that drives, right? <laughs> yes, yes, totally agree. Have you ever wished for a smarter way to manage your sheet music? The Piano Pod presents Music, the revolutionary sheet music app favored among over 400,000 musicians worldwide. Compatible with iPad, iPhone, and the web, Music lets you build a well-organized library of your pieces, all stored within a sleek and user-friendly interface. But that's not all. Experience the power of its smart AI, crafted to assist pianists of all levels in their daily practice. Whether you are a solo artist or part of a group, Music's collaborative tools and seamless access to IMSLP scores and sheet music purchases will revolutionize your musical journey. Get a one-month free trial using the code PIANOPOD23 exclusively for the PIANOPOD listeners. Claim your free month with music today. Now, let's go a little deeper into our conversations. Now, it's a little bit more philosophical question. So what is your thought on keeping classical music relevant and industry thriving in this fast-paced society? You know, we hear, oh, I live in this, you know, sports-oriented town and nobody cares about music and then to encourage my students to continue piano lessons is just so difficult. I hear sometimes like this, or, you know, I live in a really big city where everybody is so busy and just to have one focus on one instrument really sometimes seems so impossible. So what is your thought on that? Wow. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Did I, I get you uh, off guard? <laughs> No, it's just like it's so it's it's hard, right? We all have our own lives. We all have, you know, just like things to do. Who am I to be telling you what to do, <laughs> right? However, I think what's more important is that every little bit counts. I just think the more that we remain um, just ambassadors for this kind of work, you never you never know what little thing you might say to someone that can totally change the it sounds so dramatic but like the literally the trajectory of their life you know like i think of back when i was an undergrad all it took was one conversation to sort of completely change my direction in music i think also be willing to you kind of have to talk to people i think for a long time i've been the kind of person that um i'm a i would say a rather reserved individual <laughs> So a lot of the time I'll say, well, I'll let my work speak for itself. Or like, I love being especially a collaborative pianist because I'm like not the only one on stage. Sometimes, yeah, all it takes is one little conversation to really to make a lasting change in, in someone. And that one person knows a whole different set of people, right? So as overwhelming as it looks, yeah, we are more affected than we might think sometimes. 
what is your thought on our duty or gift as classical musicians to society at large? I mean, part of it is, I think, the the joy and the the hardest thing, I think, as well as about being like any type of artist, um, musician, you know, actor, whatever, is that I think the best thing you can do is just be sort of true to yourself when you're doing your art, whatever that m might look like. I don't personally, I don't know if I have a, would describe it as a duty to an audience because I think it's more of a duty to your own artistic integrity and just kind of like looking at it that way. And then people might like it and people might not, and that's okay, you know? And then the other thing is just to realize that like, there's so much more out there as well. And just to be constantly exploring new things. So right now, um, I am not by any means a jazz musician. Uh, my dad is, <laughs> and I can do some basic stuff, but I have a lot of students at, at Fisk right now who want to study piano and they want to learn to improvise. And this is, this is new for me to do, even though I've listened to jazz my whole life. And so I think part of my sort of shifting identity as an artist and sort of what I'm doing right now is, is I'm also just reacting to the, the needs of the community. And I'm, I'm like studying how to improvise right now. And so that way I can, I can be a more effective teacher. And I don't know if I'll ever be what I would consider as a good improviser, but I think that sort of reflection of you have to present yourself and you have to sort of react to, to your community. Um, that sort of duality of, of being an artist is really important to, to hold on to as you're sort of going through this work. Yeah, I agree. So now next question would be, what sort of innovative approaches can classical musicians employ to connect with contemporary audiences? Um, I, I mean, I think that audiences today are very different from audiences that we've had a hundred years ago. We have shorter attention spans. We are all about our devices and phones and scrolling, endless content, yet never exactly do they want endless classical music concerts. Um, and so I think that the interacting with our modern day audience today is all just about engagement and how to make it either having a really thoughtful and genuine theme or idea that you're trying to convey through a performance. I think a lot of times, especially young students, um, get into that mindset of, I program a recital to hit all the check boxes that I have to play for my recital jury. You know, your Baroque piece, your classical, um, romantic, contemporary. But there are more creative ways, I think, to program, um, whether or not that's thematic or whether or not that's based on a genre or some kind of idea, um, a quote that inspires something. Um, I, I do find like visual elements, um, sometimes they can be extremely helpful, sometimes not. But, you know, for, if it's done well, if it's done effectively, uh, I think it can be very, very engaging. Or I've had friends who've done concerts that have apps 
that go along with the concert with like live time kind of program notes. So, you know, I think of sportscasters all the time. Like if when they were watching sports and they like tell you detail by detail, I do not really understand sports. So like, I appreciate that a lot. So if someone was doing that for me and listening to classical music, that's fantastic. That's great. Or having like interactive things. I've done some concerts where I've had people like write down words through also an app and it gets projected onto a screen. And so people get to share their ideas and create a word bubble of, you know, the ways like kind of anonymously too, which is nice because you don't have to like, you know, speak out loud of um, what does this piece make you think of? How does it make you feel? Maybe like putting up an image or a video that also kind of accompanies a piece. Uh, I think that we especially as pianists, we tend to be very kind of solitary in the way that ways that we work. But the more that we're able to collaborate, whether or not that's with other people or other me- terms of media, um, that's always going to be, I think, a lot more effective. And of course, like, yeah, we wish like the, the music could just speak for itself, like kind of, with, or, you know, the, we do art for art's sake. But I think that's kind of just, um, it's, it's a, romant- a romanticized kind of way to think about how we operate as musicians and artists today and we need to do a little bit more right absolutely i agree with you hey there tpp family the piano pod is now into our fourth season and it's all thanks to you since 2020 you've been with my journey with the tpp exploring this burning question how do we make classical music resonate with today's audience in fresh and captivating ways four years in and the journey has been nothing short of magical The Piano Pod isn't just a podcast, it's a movement, a space where pianists, composers, and educators brainstorm, debate, and reimagine classical music's place in our fast-paced world. We're together on a mission to ensure classical music doesn't just survive, but thrives in our modern age. But here's the thing, to keep bringing you these insightful bi-weekly episodes, I need your help. Every bit of support goes into the podcast essentials, from hosting to high-quality recording tech and the countless hours behind the scenes. So do you want to be part of this journey? Click the PayPal link in the show notes or head to thepianopod.com to donate. And as a token of appreciation, I will personally mail you the Pianopod's snazzy logo sticker. So hit the subscribe button, spread the word, and let's continue our mission and journey as classical musicians. Now, let's continue with the show. What's the next phase and short-term goal of ASAP? So we have uh, a couple of things on the docket that we want to get to. Um, One is the anthologies that Annie mentioned previously, um, which would be just exciting for us to like figure out how publishing works and also more importantly serves as like a a tangible resource based on our database that just makes finding this music even easier. And then we do want to expand the types of music in our database. And so we are hoping to build up our data on works for piano four hands or for piano chamber, including two piano works and then piano with other instruments to sort of keep expanding what we can um, that way. And I know those are those are two big things that we want to sort of build work towards in the future. Wonderful. So the last question is, any advice? This is just uh, from the perspective as uh, mus- 
you being the music teachers, piano teachers, but any advice for young musicians? We all work with students every single day. And there are moments when I'm teaching where I like to think of myself as being optimistic, but it's very easy to think like, oh, being a musician is really hard. Like, what am I preparing you actually for? What kind of career are you looking for after this? Um, and the only thing that like kind of helps me to keep going, and I like to think that it's the same for students, is that they are pursuing these interests for curiosity, for enjoyment, and also for hope. Because um, I think a lot about like the Brazilian pedagogue, Paul Freire, he wrote this book, Pedagogy of Hope. And he says um, something along the lines of like, there's there's no change without a dream, just as there is no dream without hope. So like, if you don't have that hope and you don't have you know, it, it can be kind of abstract in any kind of way, but we have to have something that's driving us. And that, you know, my, my hope being for them is that they're able to, you know, impact someone's life, whether or not it's through their music or through their interests in, in art um, in some kind of way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to pull quotes from other people because I feel like they say it much better than I do. But like another person I think of is Brene Brown, who's just a really wonderful speaker. And we, we talk about this, too, within our group and our team of we're not here to um, to be right, but we're here to get it right. And so it's all about process. And the process is is going to be forever going. You know, it's, it's this is not um, a sprint uh, where it's, we did actually a whole presentation about this, that like our process and this is really, uh, an ultra marathon, the longest distance that you could go, because our goal really is to keep on doing this for as long as we can. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So I know I want to ask the, this question to everybody, but time is running out. So we have to go to the next segment, but before we go, give us special mention to all the pianists and piano teachers and students tuning in today who might not be familiar with your organization. So just the last, like a quick promo that you can do. Yeah. Come visit us at a seat at the piano.com um, or visit us on social media. Uh, there's a lot to explore and I can promise you that you will find something that interests you. Thank you. So uh, all of us can go to uh, a seed at the piano.com, right? Yeah. Yes. And you get there ASAP. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you got to get there ASAP. Yes. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Great. This has been such a fun, inspiring conversation, everyone. Annie, Evan, Brendan, Susan, thank you so much for being here. But before I let you go, we have one more thing to do. So it's called the Piano Pods Rapid Fire Questions. And this is the part of the show where I get to ask fun questions to every one of you. And here's a little twist. As silly as these questions may sound, your answers may reveal who truly you are. So ready or not, question number one. What is your comfort food, Annie? Tacos. Evan? Pho. <laughs> okay. Brendan? Uh, ooh, chips. That's probably bad. <laughs> okay. Susan? Ice cream. Yes. How do you like your coffee, Evan? A little bit of soy. Brendan? Uh, a lot and black. 
Susan? Black, sometimes with milk. Right. Annie? Black and bold. Okay, wow. All right, cats or dogs? Brendan? Dogs. We have a dog. <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay. Dogs. Okay. So, okay, Annie? Dog. Dog. All right, you're all dog people here. Great. Now, uh, summer or winter? Susan? Winter. Annie? Oh, definitely summer. Evan? Winter. Brendan? Uh, winter in Nashville, but summer where it's somewhere not as hot. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, amen. All right. Now, what is your word or words to live by? Annie? Curiosity. Evan? Pick your battles. <laughs> Brendan? Um, I guess... Be willing and flexible. Right. And Susan? Be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, name one unknown composer whom you discovered through your work at ASAP and admire. So one unknown composer. Uh, Start with Evan. Oh, I can't remember their name. I just like found their A-tubes the other day. Um, okay, I'll get back to you. So, Brenda. Yeah. I would hate to call her unknown because I think she's actually really well known, except to me, but Sarah Kirkland Snyder is somebody that I found mm-hmm. and love her music. Okay. Susan? Vyacheslava Kaplavava. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oswald Russell was a Jamaican composer. Oh, wow. I need to check him out. See, I'm I'm really learning, yeah. Evan. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. I'll say um, Shimanoska. Okay, great. Thank you. So, name one piece in your current playlist, Brendan. Um, uh, Snarky Puppy's newest album, uh, Entra Act, I think it's called. Okay, Susan. Florence Price Concerto. <laughs> Wonderful. Annie. Um, Hozier's new album, Eat Your Young. Okay, great. Evan? Uh, Mahalia's new album, IRL. Great. So now, last question. Fill in the blank. Music is blank. Susan? Powerful. Annie? Music is empowering. Amen. Evan? Profound. Indeed. Brendan? Um, music is necessary. Ah, so good. Ding, ding. You're done. So you all passed. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yes. All right. So this concludes this episode of The Piano Pop. Thank you, Annie and Evan, Brendan, for, and Susan for joining. And so, uh, you have the baby. I didn't mm-hmm. want to uh, ask the name because sometimes, you know, you want to hide. <laughs> you want to be anonymous with the little ones. But um, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you, little girl, little baby for joining. So um, sharing your stories and insights and expertise. You can learn more about A Seat at the Piano through their website at aseatatthepiano.com and also through Instagram and Facebook. 
thank you to my wonderful audience and fans for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review it on whatever podcasting platform you use. Remember to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And then also follow the PianoPod social media to get the latest piano news via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I will see you for the next episode of the Piano Pod. Bye, everyone. And thank you so much, everyone. Annie, Evan, Brendan, Susan, thank you.